This video is brought to you by Nebula. Today, Gabon's coup leaders raise hopes for a democratic transition. The US sends uranium shells to Ukraine. North Korea launches a new nuclear submarine. And the UK hunts for a terror suspect. From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Friday, the 8th of September, 2023. At the end of August, Gabon became the latest country in West and Central Africa to undergo a military coup, as President Ali Bongo was overthrown just days after a disputed election that had seemingly secured him a third term in office. But unlike other recent military takeovers, the time following the coup has been notably different, leading some to hope, albeit tentatively, that it might actually put the country on a path towards freer and fairer governance. Earlier this week, the leader of the military junta, General Brice Aligri Ungema, was sworn in as Gabon's interim president. In his speech, Aligri vowed to hold free, transparent and credible elections to hand power over to civilians, and added that a new constitution would be drafted that would be more respectful of democracy and human rights. However, he notably gave no timeline for when and how this transition to democracy would occur. He also said that his new government would look to free political prisoners, which has seemingly begun to happen, as imprisoned trade unionist leader John Remy Yama was reportedly freed. Then on Thursday, army officers announced on television that Raymond Simmer, a former opposition leader, had been appointed as the country's interim prime minister. Simmer once served as Prime Minister between 2012 and 2014 under then-President Bongo, but left the ruling party, became a critic of the government and unsuccessfully ran against Bongo in 2016 and 2023. Now, it would be naive to think that something will happen just because the new military leader says they'll do it. After all, many of the new-ish coup leaders in West Africa have pledged to oversee a transition to democracy, with little progress so far. Additionally, while many celebrated the end of 56 years of combined rule by Ali Bongo and his father Omar, Gabon's new interim president is actually said to be a cousin of the younger Bongo. As such, the main opposition candidate in last month's election, Albert Ondo Ossa, told the Associated Press that the coup was a palace revolution, designed to keep the family in power, adding that this is a family issue. They think that Bongo is sick and fragile, so another Bongo has to take over. However, after meeting with the interim president, Ondawasa said, let's dare to believe in a better and brighter future for our beloved country. There were also differences between the Gabon coup and other recent coups in, say, Niger, Burkina Faso or Mali. For example, there's not been a visible outpouring of anti-French or pro-Russian sentiment since the coup, nor has the new Gabonese government announced any intention to expel the French troops currently based there. Gabon remained suspended from the African Union and the Central African bloc ECOWAS, but mediation is underway in the hopes that a reasonable timeline for democratic transition can be agreed. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine, or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. This week, the US announced that it would be sending depleted uranium anti-tank shells to Ukraine, following Britain's decision to send the rounds to Ukraine back in March. Depleted uranium is a byproduct in the enrichment process that cannot be used for nuclear weapons. The element is still radioactive, but at much lower levels. The reason that this material is so useful for munitions is that it's incredibly dense. In total, it weighs 19.1 grams per cubic centimetre, which makes it about 68.4% more dense than lead. 
In fact, depleted uranium is only 16% less dense than osmium and iridium, which are the densest substances at Earth's surface pressure. Additionally, it can self-ignite at high temperatures, and it actually becomes even sharper when it penetrates armour plating, a process known as adiabatic shearing. Now, you don't need a degree in chemistry to recognise that its unique properties may give it certain uses on the battlefield. This is why for decades it's been used in shells, as it really improves the ability of these shells to pierce through the armour plating of tanks. There has been, though, criticism of these rounds. The International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, suggests that while they're not a radiation hazard, depleted uranium is a toxic chemical. They've additionally suggested that high concentrations in the kidneys can cause damage, and in extreme cases, renal failure. The UN nuclear watchdog urges caution when handling them. The US also used these rounds in the Iraq war, and some claim that an increase in mortality in the regions in which they were used were caused directly by these shells. So that's what's been happening in the US today. Let's move and discuss what's been happening in North Korea. North Korea has, this morning, claimed that they've launched a new tactical nuclear submarine named Hiro Kim Kunoke. They claim that this marks a new chapter for their navy, and in true North Korean style, they sent the new vehicle out to sea to much fanfare on Wednesday. The Korean Central News Agency, which is a government-backed agency in the isolated nation, claims that the vessel was equipped with a large number of nuclear delivery means, which are capable of preemptive and retaliatory strikes against hostile countries. South Korea doesn't seem all that convinced, though. The South Korean Joint Chiefs of Staff released a statement on Friday, stating that the sub appears not capable of normal operation, and that North Korea was probably trying to exaggerate what it's capable of. For their part, US analysts believe that construction on the submarine began four years ago and is conventionally powered, but is able to launch ballistic missiles tipped with nuclear warheads. Other analysts, though, agree with the South Korean Joint Chiefs of Staff, who find this unlikely. Earlier this week, on Wednesday, it was announced that 21-year-old Daniel Arbed Khalife had escaped HMP Wandsworth in south-east London. Khalife had been arrested and jailed for eliciting or trying to elicit information that could be useful for a terrorist, and for breaching the Official Secrets Act by gathering information that could be useful to an enemy. Specifically, he was accused of leaving fake bombs at military bases. Khalife is a former soldier who was previously stationed at the MOD's Beacon Barracks in Stafford. On social media, he described his role as being a computer specialist. He's believed to have escaped when he was working in the prison kitchens and was dressed in a cook's uniform on Wednesday. Specifically, he's believed to have escaped by strapping himself to the underside of a food delivery van. A nationwide search is now underway, although there has been as yet no confirmed sightings. Police currently believe that he's still likely to be in the London region. We end the main section with some positive news for the climate, as US President Joe Biden has cancelled the seven remaining oil and gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska, which covers nearly 20 million acres of land. Jamie Williams, president of the Wilderness Society, said, Our climate is a bit safer, and there is renewed hope for permanently protecting one of the last great wild landscapes in America. That's not all either. There are other ongoing stories around the world that don't always come up in our daily briefing. 
For example, the recent oil price hike, which we actually discussed in the daily discussion. There, Zach and I sit down to discuss the intricacies of this crisis to help us better understand what's really going on. In fact, we release these daily discussions, <laughs> well, daily, covering a huge variety of topics in a more analytical and detailed way than is possible in these main videos. The entire series is available exclusively on our streaming service Nebula. If you've been thinking about signing up, then I have some good news. For a limited time, we're offering lifetime memberships. Yep, if you sign up for a lifetime membership, you get access for as long as both you and Nebula exist. Plus, you're also funding new original content from your favourite creators. In fact, if you sign up using our link, then a third of that money goes straight to us, and the rest goes into the pool to develop new Nebula originals with bigger budgets and better production. Now, it's clearly a lot of money, and honestly, the best value plan is still the annual one. But if you really want to support independent creators and help us make even bigger projects, then this is the best option. Again, do make sure you use our link so that they know that you're supporting TLDR. And also, this offer only lasts until the end of the month, with no guarantee it'll ever be offered again. So, if you're interested, this is your opportunity. Anyway, thanks for your support and for signing up to Nebula.